finally gave the Ringers Philly Crew a podcast. I'm Ben Solak. And I'm Shield Kapadia. That's right. Just a couple Philly guys with a new space to fire off some Eagles takes, get caught up in the Sixers chaos and more. We'll be coming to you twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays, plus bonus episodes whenever we get breaking news or Philly drama. Join the fun and follow the Ringers Philly special now on Spotify. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Welcome back to another episode of the Ringers NBA Draft Show. My name is Kevin O'Connor, and joining me once again today is the Ringers, Jay Kyle. Man, what's going on, Kyle? Not a whole lot, Kev. I'm just kind of trying to. I mentioned on our pod yesterday with my pod with Seert that I've been. I'm in one answer. of those like, yeah, the answer. I'm in one of those periods where you're like, you feel okay. I'm, I'm like in like illness purgatory where I'll be like, all right, I'm good, I'm fine, and then that wave will hit you where you're just like. I have malaria. It's kind of like that. So we're in it. We're, we're kind of this. I don't think it's going to be like Jordan flu game. I don't think I'm going to be like draped over your shoulders asking you to carry me. But it's, you know, it's tis the season. We're going to we're going to power through and talk about some the thing that we love to talk about, which is the NBA draft. So absolutely. And there's a lot to talk about. What we haven't talked a lot about the Thompson twins, though, Kyle. They play for the overtime elite. I'm in an Osar Thompson. We haven't talked much about them, so that's going to be our topic today. Um, in our notes, you put, can they top the OG Thompson Twins, which is an, an 80s group that I, I have to be honest, never heard of them. I didn't figure you would. I, you know, I feel like <laughs> our like slugging percentage for my references, which this one isn't <laughs> even like native to me. I mean, I, I was born in the 80s, so but I think it's an interesting question is like, what would what would it take for them to surpass? The Thompson twins, because their biggest hit hold they're me not, now. They're not real twins. Well, no, it's that. I, the, I the looked group, it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I love that you looked it up. Their biggest hit has like 72 million plays on YouTube. And I'm just like, that's pretty big reach. You know, I don't, yeah. I'm just trying to think of how good would these two have to be? I'd assume they'd have to hit like all NBA status, maybe, or like, I don't know. It's an interesting kind of cultural dynamic. Weigh in in the comments and let us know what you think that the Thompson Twins would have to do. That song, though, by the way. Hold Me Now, pretty good. You like it? I yeah, would rather be, I would rather have someone kick, like, drop kick my face than ever hear that song again. I mean, it's my l- first time hearing it. And I was like, oh, this is very 80s. It's a pretty good 80s song. I would never right. choose it of the 63 million people on Spotify or 72 on YouTube or whatever. I'm not going to be one of those ever again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a nauseating <laughs> song. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure we got that in there, but them as players, that's, that's what we're here to discuss. People can, people can kind of tell, answer that question for me if they're interested. 
I much prefer the new Thompson Twins, and they play for the City Reapers and the Overtime Elite. We've talked about them in our first episode, gave kind of like a brief overview of who, who they are. So we want to catch up with how their season has gone so far this season with the City Reapers. They're 9-0, and undefeated. No game has been close except for the first one they had. They're winning by an average score of 98-75. to So Amen and Osar haven't played a lot of minutes per game about 25 minutes per game for the, each of them. They're both 6'7", with near 7-foot wingspans, just over 200 pounds. They turned 20 years old on January 30th, so a little bit older than some of the freshmen in this class, which is fine. Um, ends averaging 16.7 points, 5.9 assists, 5.6 rebounds, 2 steals, 0.7 blocks, shooting 67% from 2, 21% from 3, 82% from the free throw line in their nine regular season games. Osar, 17.2 points per game, 5.2 assists, 7.8 rebounds, 2.8 steals, 1.4 blocks, shooting 60% from two, 33% from three, and 64% from the free throw line. Just to give the basic box score overview of these guys in addition to their measurables. So it's been nine games, Kyle. What have your early season takeaways been thus far this season with the Thompson Twins? There's a lot of layers to this. And I, I was going to say, we you rattled off a lot of percentages there in a row. I know not everybody has access to Synergy, but there are a bunch of numbers available on Overtime Elite's website if people want to go look at those more closely. Um, the important kind of bioblast here is that these guys, like Kevin said, took a different path. Um, they didn't go to college. They didn't you know, go to the G League Ignite. This is a new thing that they're doing. I, I don't think they were the first twins. There was another set of twins that did it before them, actually, I think, or a set of brothers. Um, these guys moved from California to Florida when they were like in the eighth grade, and then like they stayed, in, they stayed at the school they were at, won a state title when they were juniors, and then their senior year went to Overtime Elite, which was this new thing. Um, both of them have around like 6'11 wingspans, as I understand it. I know they've done some pro day stuff. Um, we mentioned this in the first episode. These are elite athletes. Like, Asar is like a, a pretty good athlete, uh, but Amin would be, you know, I use the term 99th percentile. I mean, in, in terms of like perimeter athletes, he will have a chance to be the best athlete in the league. I mean, do you agree or disagree with that? Just He's from like skinny, lean Zion. <laughs> yeah. In terms of, like, explosiveness, yeah, yeah. that's true. The, the, the quick twitch, you know, I mean, like, yeah, every movement is fast. Looks like he's on, you know, 1.75 times speed when everybody else is just at normal speed. That's what it looks like when you watch on Ben Thompson. Yeah, and I think that, like, when people compare athletes, like, I know, I know like, um, I, I'm, I did a video about point guards, so like about CP3, where I was talking about the different paces, the way stylistically guys play. You know, I said like Chris Paul was more like an R&B in the pocket drummer. And then like I always thought that like Derrick Rose was like a heavy handed punk rock drummer. Whereas like I think when you're comparing like types of athletes, I think that uh, like the, the powerful zero to 60 speed of somebody like um, like Russ and then you compare that with like the bendy, elastic, contorting, ex but explosive thing. Um, I feel like Amin is kind of in that like jaw. He's very elastic. Like he he has like a gracefulness. Like when he's going around the rim, like he doesn't just try to like bowl you over with power or, or like jump over you, which he can. Um, maybe it's a result of him just being so athletic that he can cruise. I'm just I'm always blown away by his gait and how just kind of graceful he is around the basket. 
And it's like what you're saying is true, like with the ball in his hands or without the ball. And it's like if he's sprinting up floor in transition, he's moving fast. And with the ball in his hands, like it doesn't slow him down one bit at all. And, and I think I think the thing that's impressive with him is so many times you see great athletes don't know how to play slow. Like, oh, yeah. They, they know how to tap the brakes and go from fast to slow, slow to fast when they need to. To you know, to manipulate defenses, use hesitations, hang dribbles, like they they get a bag. Like at six seven, these kids are ma- especially our men, major shot creators. Uh, like Osar, more of the off ball guy. You know, like you said, he's like a very good, great athlete. But Amen is the otherworldly level athlete, which is why most you know I, I believe most if not all big boards seem to have Amen ahead of Osar. I think you find some you know people anecdotally there are people that prefer Osar, um, but Amen like I think the argument for him is the third pick is very strong. Um, I'm not sure where I'll have him end up. I think I have him three right now. With him like it's also not just playmaking either. Like everything you're talking about with him athletically, it applies to defense too. Like when he's really locked in, Osar has been a bit better. Like you saw that with the basic box score stats, Osar averaging more steals and more blocks this year. But Amen can be every bit as great defensively when he's locked in. I mean, those guys they hustle. There, there's never any lapses. Like when when it comes to their hustling and their intensity, their focus, they're smart with rotations. Like when it comes to helping down inside, Amen had this block this year where he's helping off like a basic like you know closeout action from another teammate. And then he he closed back out to his guy and blocked the corner three point shooter. He's that type of athlete, where he's closing yeah. out in a blink and blocking three pointers. Um, Osar can do that too, but Amen and Osar collectively—that's one of the reasons why their OTE team is just dominating every game. It's not just because they're creating buckets on offense; it's because they're dominating on defense together as well. Yeah, I think, man. I mean, like I'm in. Like I, I know we're just kind of trending towards it because I do think I'm in is the better prospect, and I I think that's a that's a pretty solidly true thing. Just for me, I I, I haven't. I know maybe you have seen the people who anecdotally, like you said, have Asar ahead of him. There are a lot of things to like about Asar, but I mean, their ranges for me. You mentioned like as high as three. I've really flirted with the idea of having him at two. Um, that and that's the thing. He's going to be one of the. I've almost pulled the trigger and I'm still, I still might. Uh, he's like, he has a range. He's going to be one of the toughest guys to, to gauge for me because when I look at all the different wings in this class and I'm just like, would I rather have Amen or would I rather have Cam Whitmore? Would I rather have Amen or would I rather have Dariq Whitehead? It's like there are pluses and minuses all over the place. Um, but his athleticism is the thing that is just so alluring and you're like, it's going to open so many doors for him and the things that he does well. I, I think the big differentiator for me though is the fact his playmaking feel like and I think that when you watch and the stats are a little weird you can tell me if you agree or disagree with this but like the stats are in some places they're indicators like how how their efficiency shooting the ball but like the steals and things like if you watch their games you mentioned that they're nine and oh they're not super competitive I don't I don't know what their where their age is based on like the median age of the the guys that are in the overtime elite, but they on seem the older old. end. I believe it's for like sixteen to twenty. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they look a little bored at times out there. They're physically ahead of these guys. Um, a lot of their games end up in transition. So when you go and you watch like their steals, it's just like they're just jumping passing lanes with these guys who seem terrified by their their athleticism <laughs> and their maturity. Yeah. And then you'll watch them, and it's like and the. I was I was watching all of Amen's assists the other day, and I was like, "Well, 
75% of them were just him throwing hit ahead. So you're not seeing a lot of half-court chess is kind of what I was getting at. Sure. And, and, and that's what you, if you're an NBA team and you're scouting these guys, that's where there's disappointment. I mean, like credit to them for going to OTE. Like I think that organization has a lot of potential long-term. Um, but it's not like they're going against grown men and two-way guys and guys that are going to get 10-day contracts in the NBA and the G League. It's not like yeah. they're going to some high level, you're facing off against high level competition with crazy road games and loud crowds and college basketball. It's not like they're overseas facing 30 year old men, right? Like they, if you're ranking the competition, OTE is by far the worst that the top prospects are facing right now between international, college, and G League. And that's no disrespect to OTE. It's a young league, it's just the facts, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it really tough. When it comes to assessing the, everything you're talking about there, Kyle, it's like, I would love to see them have to play a game where it's close down the stretch in the second half and they got to get half court offense going and they have to generate a shot when the defense is game planning against them. I would love to see that. But we're not going to see that. We're just not. In all likelihood, we're not. I'd love to see him play Ignite. That would be incredible. Uh, I mean, I feel like Ignite yeah. would kick the shit out of him, but it would be it would just be fun to see. I think one, one thing that I wrote down for you... Um, I don't know if you got to check this out, but when I heard that they were going to be playing in uh, the tournament, the TBT against Creighton, the, the Creighton players, yeah, the blue, what I forget their name. It was just like ex Creighton guys, yeah, and and these were like older dudes. And some of these, some of these guys, I wrote down like um, he was guarding Marcus Foster, who was like an All Big East guard. Um, I thought that game was weirdly a little indicative, honestly, because and they didn't they didn't have like crazy output in those games. The, I mean, the Omaha Blue Crew, for what it's worth, was the name of the game <laughs> for, for anybody stressing over that. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> no, I think they both had kind of like modest stat lines. I mean, it was like they both got nine points. I mean, got four assists, and they both got two or three rebounds and some blocks in in like roughly 27, 28 minutes altogether. Um, but I was impressed by the, their pace did show up there. And I thought the ease of the functionality of their athleticism. You watched Amin, you watched Asar both sort of slither their way to the hoop, both like throwing together dribble combinations to like create separation and to create hesitancy in the guys guarding them. Uh, I thought it translated. I, you know, I don't, I don't think that they seemed intimidated at all by that higher competition. They lost that game, but. Uh, that was one little inkling for me. And I, I think that's going to be part of the search for them as we try to like contextualize how good they are and we assume what's going to translate is those little kind of indicators against good competition. And we need to see that. Like that, those indicators are important because the big question with both of them is the jump shot. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's the big, big concern. We touched on this in our first podcast back in November. You know, they, they both talked about, there's a great interview with Pro Insight where they both talk about the things they're working on, their mindsets, approach to the game. Like I encourage anybody to check out those interviews with Amen and Asar. And they talked about trying to work on their jumpers. The, the numbers just have not been standout in, in any way. Like, I, like they both had some hot stretches, but... So far this season, it included the nine regular season games and their preseason games combined just to get the sample larger. Amen is shooting 23.7% on 38 three-point attempts. 73% from the free throw line on 63 attempts. That's, that's an encouraging number. Get over that 70% mark. 38.9% on 18 two-point jumpers. 59.6% on 52 layups. 45.5% on 11 floater attempts. So some encouraging touch numbers near the rim, right? Like then for Osar, 26% on 46 attempts from three, 64% from the free throw line, 40% on two-point jumpers, 44% on 39 layups, small sample. He was at 61% last year for what it's worth, 25% on floaters. I don't feel a lot of confidence that either of them are ever going to be good shooters. Can they get to average? Maybe, sure. I mean, I think that's very possible. I mean, we saw guys like Bruce Brown go from, you know, low like low numbers from behind the arc to becoming a competent low volume three-point shooter. You know, you hope a guy like Matisse Thibel can do that. Herb Jones is working on it with the New Orleans Pelicans. It's important to at least have the threat. Markel Fultz, I mean, yeah. he's shooting well this year for Orlando. He's gotten better each year after his, the weird start to his career. It's important to have at least a some level of a threat from behind the arc. But for these two, Amen and Asar, is it a necessity for them to be worthy of a top five pick for them to have like a reliable jump shot, Kyle? Or like, are you feeling like, even if I tell you that they will never be three-point shooters that are respected behind the arc, defenses are always going to give them Tony Allen treatment, the Andre Robertson treatment. They're going to sag off them when they don't have the ball. They're not going to respect them. Even if I tell you that, do you still feel a level of confidence, at least with Amen, that he's worthy of a top five, and also what would it mean for Osar? Where are you with their jumpers? I think that's a good question because I think the leniency and the room for error is just a lot stronger with Amin because of the playmaking and because, and you see this with twins when they're growing up, I always think it's interesting that like they're just always together and there's only one ball. So it's like, you, you kind of have to choose. I know I was thinking back about like twin brothers in the history of the league. I know for centers, it's way more interesting because it's just kind of like, how do you... One of them stretch sometimes today versus back in the day. That's a whole diatribe. But like 
I think the leniency is higher with Amin because of the point guard skills, because he's on ball, because of his feel and things like that. He can get into the lane basically at will. And he's like a re- just, uh, I think his touch and his feel as a playmaker, as a passer, is strong enough that I think he can get by and get to like a passable level as a shooter. And I think you can use him as ways. For Asar, I think it's a little more damning because if he is going to need to be a guy who, uh, if he's going to have to, if he's going to be a score first type player, and he's going to be if and need the ball in his hands to do the things that he does well, uh, and all, but also be inefficient. I think that that's going to be a lot tougher on him. I think that slides him down. I've kind of got Arsar in that like fourteen to twenty range right now. Mm. Honestly, uh, I, I kind of feel a little. I might even go up to like twelve, eleven. But I, I kind of Amin's range. I think is a lot higher because of that playmaking um, and the shooting. I think. The shooting is pretty fun. It's, it's not funny. It's just, it's interesting to go in and watch. Um, I know that like they particularly have talked about their shots um, being rebuilt at OTE. You had a comment about like it was Asar specifically, right? That had done some retooling with his jumper. Yeah, I mean, they've worked on improving their mechanics. Yeah. Um, you know, more of a balanced, consistent release, you know, better footwork. Uh, it just hasn't affected the results all too much. So like, I just wonder with, with the both of them, I mean, like, so, like, with Osar, he shot in preseason, like I said, 26% from three on 46 attempts with preseason and regular season combined. That's a little unfair. You know, he shot 8% from three in the preseason, 36% with their first group of games during the regular season, 26% with the second group of games that just got over last week. Um, so, like, he's shooting closer to, like, you know, what did I say at the beginning of the pod? 30, 30 plus percent during the regular season. Um, still not great, but yeah. I, I think I think that personally, I think the preseason sample should be included because we're working with such a small sample here. Nine regular season games, like I want that to be beefier. I think it's fair to include preseason numbers there for those for the, for the both of them. And based on the quality of their great. competition, I don't think it's crazy to kind of just lump no. that in there because it's not no. a stark contrast between preseason and not and not at all. And, and I think with with the, each of them. Like you, when you look for positive indicators for a guy who's a non-shooter to become a, a competent shooter, you're looking for a good free throw percentage. Like John Morant had that in college. He was 80 plus percent from the free throw line. It felt projectable for him to improve. You know, you want to see touch near the basket with floaters, those tough like contested layups where your body's contorted and you're going to put English on the ball, you know, off the glass. Like you look for that, like those type of offhand finishes. You want to see touch. I think they have solid touch. Okay. okay. I don't think they have great touch by any means. Maybe I'm in a bit better, a touch better near the basket. A touch better, right? Okay. But but Fine. it's also tough to gauge because, like you said, so much of this is in transition. Some of this is like them, like I, I don't mean this in a negative connotation, screwing around in the sense like they might just be experimenting, trying things out when it comes which to good. finishing, near the, which is a good thing. When it yeah. comes to finishing near the basket, experimenting in games, trying to work on it, which is why with like certain prospects, like you see their shot selection, and it's like, well, they got to get that out of their system. That's where the mental makeup matters. And I trust both of these, you know, Amen and Asar. They seem like smart kids with good approaches where I wouldn't worry about their, like if their NBA team says, hey, we can't have you doing this, I think they'll get that out of their system pretty easily based off of my understanding of them. Um, but I don't think their touch is great by any means. And that the, the free throw percentage is the real indicator there. Where's your level of confidence with Amen and or Asar 
as potential shooters long term. I mean, they have a lot of work to do, like we said, and they seem conscious of that and they seem to embrace that. And I, you talk, you mentioned the pro inside interviews. I think those are fantastic. And I think if you're into the draft, you absolutely should watch those just to get a sense for how engaged the, the, a player is and like getting better. Um, I, every interview I've ever seen with them, they seem actively interested in getting better. You mentioned the defense, which I think we should talk about here in a minute, but um, if we have time, but someone was asking them like what what their most like applicable skill is going to be or what they're most excited about to do at the next level and uh I'm in specifically said defense first like without hesitating and these I just think that they have a workman kind of attitude and and an engagement in improving that's really good and on the touch thing which like we said is going to unlock a lot of things for them um it's interesting because like when they're in the middle of the floor I think that Amin has an elite skill in the fact that he is complete. I always call it total elasticity in the fact that like they can contort and get into gaps. You see this with Shea. You see this with like with Ja. We mentioned Ja again. Uh, he just has that body type, but he's just bigger. Like he can he can like bend and get around guys. And ext- so he is something that I always talk about, which is elasticity and then length, the six eleven wingspan, uh, and then touch. And he can combine all those things. Like he'll be around the the rim and take like. I don't know, his torso will be moving in a different direction and he'll like finish with his left hand around people. I'm always impressed. I'm, I've been pretty impressed with his touch in that area. Uh, you don't see him shooting a ton of floaters just because he doesn't really have to, honestly. When he gets that close to the rim, he's going to go ahead and finish it. Um, I'm, a, I'm a little more confident on Amin than I am on Osar. I put in our I put in our notes that uh, Asar kind of has a Draymond like backpack posture <laughs> when he shoots <laughs> yeah, the ball. He <laughs> Heavy load up in his legs. Uh, he has he's a lot of work to do on his jump shot. And uh, man, you tracked his misses, Kyle. I tracked them all. This is one of my favorite things to do. I, I was telling you, there's something relaxing about charting a player's threes because you. Well, I, I love go doing through it. it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love that you, you shot. You immediately well, I mean, shot I, backwards. I'm the, like, I'm I love the Ben it. Simmons, you know, handed guy. <laughs> I used to watch all of Simmons layups and. <laughs> oh layups really? For, yeah, I used to track. I have a Excel document somewhere of all of his right hand or left hand finishes where on the court it happened. I used to track Jay Crowder when he played for the Celtics and I was writing for Celtics blog, how Jay Crowder's feet would land because my my hypothesis was that Crowder was shooting inconsistently because of his footwork because sometimes he used to land really wide and yeah. and sometimes he used to land really narrow with his feet like right next to each other and then sometimes he used to land perfectly balanced. And I think the numbers gave like a slight you know, edge to him shooting a better three-point percentage when he landed balance compared to a narrow or a wide. Um, he's never gotten better at that. Anyway, um, and Thompson, <laughs> what, what, what did you track? <laughs> I think you can pick up on patterns. I think, like, I always chart them. If I'm really studying someone, I'd never skip that part because I think that you can just pick up on tendencies that they have or things that, like, can indicate, like, oh, maybe this is a power issue. Like, I track, like, how they miss. I track how their makes go in. I try to pay attention to their arc angle, things like that. Yeah, with... Because uh, I, I was thinking back about, I guess it was... Lamelo was the one that when I charted his feet, like you were talking about, I started to chart his feet and the drift in his body, like the directional drift, where he missed, how he missed, was it catch and shoot, was it a dribble pull up? And that was when I started to notice that like there was all, so much drift in his three point attempts. I was like, if he just stops doing that, I feel like his percentage is going to go up. And it did. So I think mm-hmm. like those, like when you just look at a raw number, it can be misleading. Like it doesn't tell the whole story. So for like, I'm in, 
he has a lot of bad misses. That's the thing. Like when he when he misses, it can be wild. Like and you look at his shot in a vacuum, and I'm I'm just like he has a nice kind of wrist flexion. Like it it looks good. It looks like his touch is fine. I worry for both of them though that. I always say that like speed is a cruel filter in the NBA. Like if you're a shaky shooter and you move to the NBA level, you can you can really suffer if you're somebody that can't move or can't get it off quickly. I feel like it could be ugly early on for both of them in that sense. So how so you know, Ahmed has five air balls in the year. Um, <laughs> yeah, just throwing that out there. How do the how do you survive as a player in the NBA today without a reliable jumper? We see the struggles fitting around a guy like Ben Simmons. You know, for Philadelphia, they had great success for years offensively, of course, in the regular season. That's because Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid. He extended his range to become a reliable three-point shooter. One of the reasons why I had Brandon Ingram ranked ahead of Ben Simmons back in their draft together was because I felt like Ingram was a good enough playmaker. He wasn't like a great playmaker like Simmons, but he was good enough as a playmaker. He was good enough as a defender. And as a scorer, I felt much more confidence in him becoming a guy that could become a perimeter shooter. Granted, it took till New Orleans to become that. You know, with Fred Vincent as a great shooting coach, it did happen. Fit-wise, it's going to, I think it'll, there will be challenges building around Amen and Asar. Easier with Amen, as we're talking about with all the other skills. Easier in the sense that both of them you can still rely on defensively as being stoppers for you, you know, great off-ball helpers, versatile, like, switchable players, intense, you know, playmakers on defense, good rebounders that turn defensive rebounds into instant offense. Like, there's value aside from being able to space the floor. Just making that clear. But it is harder to build a successful half-court offense when it comes to playoff situations. So are there good examples of players in the league today, Kyle, that can serve maybe as, you know, archetypes for them to, you know, you know, for teams to build with them? Like, what comes to mind when it comes to, like, the best fits or best situations for them uh, to have success in the NBA because it's not easy if you're not shooting. Yeah, the term build around is something, yeah, that's the, the, I think the differentiator there would be the second way that you put it, like build with them. I don't, mm-hmm. like building around them would be complicated for that reason, I think. Like if you're going to, if you're going to have Amen be like heavy on ball, I mean, there are just obvious ways that you can Kyle, if you're like, taking him with the second pick ahead of Scoot Henderson, you're building around him. You think so? Well, that's not true year to year. I mean, like that's not always true. I, I think it, but that kind of comes it, it, back it, it, to like build around, build with. He's one of the pieces you're building with. Build, a, I think build around means like this player has a a skill set that like everything, every decision we make from here needs to ripple out from that and like be a response to that. Like I, I don't. I'm thinking like if I draft Joel Embiid or if I draft Luka Doncic or I draft somebody that's a clear center of an offense and like a high level score. He's not that type of player. Uh, which, you know, in your philosophy, that might mean he can't go number two. But I, th- I think year to year, you can't be so hard line about that. You can't be so hard line about that. Um, for me, the best fit for him, I think you're, you'd have to have him in an offense where he's not just like standing still on the perimeter, number one. You're going to need to use him as a cutter, as a screener, sort of. I had him as a hybrid of, you know how like they'll the, the Thunder will disguise and protect Josh Giddy's weaknesses. Mm. In like using him, he's always a moving target. It's the same kind of a thing where, like Zion, like we talk about this a lot when uh, on on the answer about like how they'll cloak and dagger Zion so that you can't load up against him. I think that you're gonna want to keep him in moving. I told you I thought an interesting fit for him, which I don't think that they're gonna be up picking this high based on the mock drafts have changed. 
Um, I think in like a three-headed monster, like a Halliburton, Matherin, Amen Thompson, <laughs> three-headed monster would be unbelievable. Like, be I, I just so think beautiful. You, a guy who grew up playing point guard, I know it's fun to think about, uh, but I think in those like three-guard alignments, you don't make him the primary guy, but you put him in that situation where he's moving off the ball. He's a crazy, crazy athlete. He's, he's going to be able to finish over the top of people. He's going to be able to move around bigger guys. Um, just don't put so much pressure on it. Put him in positions where his jump shots are not super mobile or he's not having to like move off of screens and take tough threes. Like he, he catches it. It's a catch and shoot situation. I think he can get to a passable spot. If Herb Jones can, I think Amen can. I think Indiana is an ideal situation. And granted, right now they have the 12th worst record. They're 15 and 16. They're sliding a little bit. There's, there's a chance Indiana ends up like the sixth or seventh or eighth worst record where they could move up into the top four for an opportunity to draft on man. I, I don't think that's that's not unfathomable. That could happen, Kyle. Um, but we'll but see. But to you, I'm in at two is unfathomable based no, on your philosophy no, no, no. kind of. No, okay. I, I, don't, I don't think so at all. I mean, with Scoot, I love Scoot. Um, but I really like I'm in. I could see myself at some point before June changing there as well. Um, I'm not ready to do that yet, but it's not impossible. No. I mean, I'm in is on, because of the size difference. Scoot, I love Scoot, but he's a smaller guard. And like, no matter how much you hustle, no matter how much you try, you're going to be a target. And like, he's like, I think with Amen Thompson, he's not going to be a target. He oftentimes will be the guy that you avoid defensively. Right. Yeah. So I think there's a big differential there where with Scoot, I have a much greater level of confidence in him becoming a knockdown shooter. He already is a highly efficient mid range shooter. He's a great free throw shooter. He has great touch near the basket. If he follows the trajectory that he's on, at some point, conceivably, he should become a knockdown three-point shooter. And if that were to happen, that's just going to open up everything for him. So I would have Scoot number two ahead of Amen right now. But if Amen shows some level of progress or there's other things that pop up over the course of the season, like maybe Amen moves up. I could see that. Maybe a team ends up at number two where Amen's a better fit, where they don't need more of the point guard type in Scoot. Um, but right now, I have Scoot number two. With, with Amen, I think Indiana is a great fit. I, I think you're right. Like You can make a Herb Jones fit with New Orleans next to Zion during the regular season, but we just saw what Milwaukee did to them the other night. I talked about this with Chris Vernon on the mismatch. They had Drew Holiday on Zion the entire game, pretty much. And then they had Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis or Giannis Antetokounmpo just completely ignoring Herb Jones. Completely ignoring him. You can shoot. Shoot all you want. And they dared him to shoot all night. They dared Jonas Valanciunas to shoot, and he had the night of his life shooting threes. But like they sagged off of these low-volume, you know, average-efficiency shooters or below-average efficiency in the case of Herb Jones and said, Zion's not going to beat us, and he didn't. So I think that's the playoff formula that we're going to see against New Orleans when it comes to that time of year or in more big-time regular season games um, until then. Where, like, yes, it's working during the regular season. Yes, Zion is still putting up historic numbers, but it could become an issue at some point down the line, which is why that, like, New Orleans is investing in those guys becoming at least good shooters. Like, they have Fred Vinson work with Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels every single practice before every single game during pregame warmups. They are investing every little bit of energy they can with their assistant coach, Fred Vinson, who's with the best shooting coach in basketball, him or Chip England, who's now with OKC um, after years at San Antonio. Like, it, it is vital, though, 
like if to surround your non-shooting star with with shooters. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yes, I agree with you in that sense, but also I don't know if the the downsides of that have really been revealed yet for the New Orleans side of things there, where maybe they they won't be able to go with that long term. It just might not work. And like they might need to add a, sh- a better shooter, or Herb might have to improve. And and I love Herb Jones saying that, um, but like not having a jumper is an issue. It, it is. Yeah, it's it's just a problem. And, and I I think that's where like my oh, I'm held back here because like I've been burned by like the, the Justice Winslows of the world, where like I I thought Justice Winslow if only he could develop into a reliable three point shooter. And granted, his career has been marred by injuries and all that. You know, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's had some good moments. He's pretty good right now with Portland. He had some good moments with Miami as well. But like a, like a Stanley Johnsons of the world, there's Ooh. been a lot of guys who, Ooh. if only they could shoot. If only, if only. I think the justice thing is actually not a bad developmental track. Like, in ter- I mean, he, you know, Amin is not comparable to hardly anyone as an athlete. But like, if you think about, the way that you try to get justice, his point guard instincts on the floor, and then you hope you can protect his shooting stuff. The precedent for guys going from non-shooters to shooters that are like playoff hardened uh, is, is it's a tough conversation. It's not a long list of guys who, who like grew into dependable shooters. And I think you're right. And I think I also probably need to be consistent when I think about uh, when I talk about like building your team for the last game of the season, I think Amen definitely has some some things there. The other question though too is like, what if he becomes like a plus like a plus plus defender? Like, what if he becomes like an elite defender? Uh, because he both of them are like super interested in that and take those challenges on. I told you the other day, Robert Dillingham is like one of the top ranked. They're competitive. That's the other thing that I think people need to know is that like these dudes don't mess around when like they smell blood. Like they're mm. very competitive. They're like, my buddy was down there recently and he was like talking with them and they had said like, uh, they had it, they were saying that they had it out for Robert Dillingham. Who's like one of the top rated guards coming into college next year. <laughs> uh, we humbly accept go be blue. Uh, and he, uh, apparently they had it out for him and they basically kicked his ass. Like granted they're older than him, but I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the kind of wiring they have. They're like, we heard you were talking shit. Welcome to the, you know, welcome to the prison you're going to be in for the next 40 minutes. That's kind of how they are. And I'm, I'm like, if they become that type of dogged player, we saw Scotty grow in, like Scotty's been up and down. Like we said, he's kind of improved. I lean hesitantly in the direction that they're going to become passable shooters. I do. I really do. And, and that's all they need to be. It's just the truth. Like that's all they need to be. They need to be passable. If you tell me I'm in Thompson shoots, 33% from three in his career. I'm like, okay, great. He's the third pick in the draft, no doubt about it. And maybe he should end up number two. Like that that's where I am with with Ahmed. Asar, like, like there's the differential with them as creators. Asar slightly better defender right now, but I think Ahmed can be equal when he's when he needs to be. They're both great prospects. I'd have both of them in the lottery. Amen. Number three at the moment, Asar back end of the lottery at the moment. I could easily see him rising into the top ten for me, no doubt about it. Like they just they just need to become average shooters. That's it, just passable. And if they become any better than passable, they could be one become one of the best players in all of basketball. I was gonna say thirty. You said thirty three percent. I was like thirty three percent. Oh my yeah, man, we're rolling. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, that'd be incredible. Well, I mean, and you 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 imagine Amen uh, Thompson if he becomes. 2.5 attempts per game, low volume, but 38% from three. Then we're talking like this guy's one of the best players in the league. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I just think he, he is going to be applicable in a way that's not necessarily going to need to be like the focal point, which I like those types of players that add playmaking, yes. that add high-level defense. To your point adds, about building with, not around. Yes. He's one yes. of those players where he can play with other stars, Halliburton, Matherin, like you said, with Indiana. That would be fun to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know how Buddy Heald would or Duarte would factor into that, but I would, I would. Be they won't. They're not just, factoring it. They're not. You're they're not, not factoring. With them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Hit the hit the bricks, buddy. Uh, I like Charlotte is another interesting one. Oh, with Lamelo, that's intriguing. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if or- Orlando. I think his challenges might like choke them a little bit. Like I, yeah. I like in terms of his shooting, I think they need somebody who's like legit two way at okay. See too. I shooting. feel the same way with, with yeah. Thunder. I don't think they can afford to add another guy like that. It just becomes caveat city. Like, I just don't, I don't think they need to be going that way, but uh, he could help a lot of teams. Let's move on to the guy everybody wants with the weekly Wemby, Victor Wembenyama, or a weekly update on him with what's happened this past week. The Mets 92 broke their two-game losing streak with a 20-point win, but Wemby wasn't great. He had 11 points on four of 11 from the field, five fouls, one of five from three. Five rebounds, six blocks, two steals, typical stuff there. We've talked a lot about the stuff we've seen from him, the good and the bad. He had some occasional iffy shot selection in this game. He had this pull-up three, heavily contested in the third quarter, you know, transition opportunity where he caught the ball at the top of the three-point line. And I thought he definitely should have drove or at least district to his teammate who was ahead of him on the break, sprinting ahead of him. I don't mind, you know, it's whatever. You're Wembenyama, you can take the shots you want, but that's where that's where I could see an NBA coach saying, "Drive the ball. Get to the rim. You're 7 foot 4 and you have a handle." I could see that happening. I'm not worried about the fouls. He a lot of ticky-tack fouls where he was, you know, trying to block dunks. Like I yeah. like the effort. It's a good thing to see that. And he had that um crazy sequence at the end of the game, the block and then the sidestep three-pointer, Kyle. Oh, oh my god. Goodness. Yeah, that's that sort of stuff. Like, uh, just if you showed somebody that clip, like let's say, like we like took a time machine back to the seventies and showed them that <laughs> clip, it would it would like it'd be that scene from Devs where they're like, turn it off, and like it, it would just break their brains. Like I feel like, um, no, I mean he does do he he settles, and I think we've known that about him. I think he gets a little he's he's a classic gets lost in the sauce. He's so talented. Um, he likes to he likes to take tough face up shots. I mean, that's something that's been going on. He likes to kind of show. I mean, even that game that like blew our minds in Vegas, he took some shots that were. I was just like, what is he doing? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he's just that kind of guy. I think he likes to experiment, which is good. Like, I'm I'm a big believer in experimentation and getting out there when it's when it's acceptable. Like when the rep when the reps dictate that it's okay. Like, um, I don't know. I always think about for some prospects if you think about. Um, like th- their reps can be like at lower levels. It can be like a player has like plot armor, but then once you get into like higher, like more sufficient, like on a show, it'd be like a character has plot armor, and then you move into a higher, more competitive situation. It's like, oh no, there are like actually consequences here. It's gonna be interesting to see him adjust. We talked about like Lamelo before his dicking around in some of those games early on. Oh, yeah. just like, what is he thinking? And then he and he still is super creative. Even Steph Curry is a guy who's like, he experiments in a way that you're just like, what is he doing? But you kind of play with fire with some of those guys. Like their creativity is a thing that you don't want to stifle, right? Uh, no doubt about it. And, and with him, I mean, like the the highlight we're talking about, that happened with an 18-point lead with less than two minutes to go. And he's still busting his butt on defense, hustling, 
And then he hits that, you know, I mean, they were already dead, but he like a real, you know, teabag with the sidestep three pointer. <laughs> like he, like we talked earlier about how the Thompson twins are killers. So are, so is Wemby. And, and like, I think with his mindset, which we've talked about on this podcast, I have zero question that that creativity will not be stifled. It'll be, it'll be, you know, nurtured and it's going to mature where he's going to become a player who's going to make smarter decisions, better decisions. Right now, he is the guy, and he'll always be the guy, but right now he's especially the guy for the Mets 92, where he's given the freedom to do that type of stuff, and he should be given the freedom to do that type of stuff, um, to work through that and grow from it. I think he's going to be a player long-term where you're going to see playmaking from him, you're going to see smart decisions, in addition to like just the wow moments with him as a perimeter score, I, I'm not, I'm not the least bit worried about it. You said it was like a tea bag. He's so tall that like on a jumper, it might have actually been a, an actual tea bag, not to make it too gross. But I'm just like I, I did have a moment there where I was like, most places have to like dunk on somebody. He's so tall. Anyway, I don't want to go there mentally. I probably shouldn't have, uh, <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse just oh. sends us the, the yes. crying, laughing emoji in the, yeah, in the Zoom chat. Probably like, why did you say that? Uh, anyway, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's Wimby wouldn't be doing this if he was still playing for Osvell, like uh, the Tony Parker yeah. owned team. I mean, which was a different thing. Which was this was a time. That's what the the point of the Mets '92 kind of experiment was. Like, we get to see some of these other things. Like, we get to see him unleashed. Uh, you're right. He should have driven in some of those situations. He probably should have made a short pass and did like the soccer thing, like their UCLA cut and go to the rim and catch a lob if that was there. I don't know. He's not a big driver, though. I mean, like a lot of his drives are kind of like in and out, crossover, pull up. Mm -hmm. You don't see him like trying to. It's sort of the Porzingis thing. You don't really see him trying to contort and go downhill a whole lot. I want to see that from him rest of the year. That's a New Year's resolution for Victor Wembanyama, which is what we're going to talk about on next week's episode, Kyle. We're going to do some NBA draft resolutions next week. And so make sure to tune into that. Subscribe to the Ringers NBA Draft Show. Follow the show. Send it to, the, to a friend as a Christmas gift. If you think they'd like the feed, it would really help us out, Kyle. This Free. is a fun episode, man. Very fun. Always fun. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Ringers NBA Draft Show. Thank you to Jesse Lopez for producing. Hope everybody enjoys the holiday. Have a good one. I've I've had good luck with that. Like I've never like I I think I told you I got stuck overnight in Charlotte at like our flight was like at like 10 p.m. and they there was nowhere to go. So I just like had to lay down in like the fluorescent light in the Charlotte airport and it was horrible and like till the next morning. But I don't know. Have you ever have you had that happen in your never. poop travels? No, well, my first time ever on a plane, um, it got delayed till the next day. That was mm. my first time ever stepping foot on an airplane. It didn't take off. <laughs> Were you like with your family? No, I was by myself. I was going to the NBA combine in Chicago. This was, I think, 2014. I had never been on a plane until I was 23, you know, almost 24 years old. It's impressive. Uh, yeah, really. So uh, first time on a plane, I didn't actually go in the air. But we left the next day. I was all crushed that I was a day late to the NBA draft combine, all worried and all that. Um, but yeah, it was cool. I just sat in the hotel for like the entire time because I didn't, ha I didn't get credentialed.
They didn't give me oh, a credential yet. No, no, I saw I wasn't able to go to the gym. I just did work on my laptop for I used to be working for Sports Aptitude, a sports psychology company. So I just like sat in the hotel on my laptop. Oh, and uh, I just worked like the whole day. It wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how like those little moments like that, you'll blow them up like they're the biggest like this is me like it's going to mean more than it is or like yeah. it's like so damning. But then you'll look back on it and be like, why did I? For sure. I don't know. I'm like that. I, I'll get like all worried about stuff like I that. I remember I met David Griffin for the first time there. Jonathan Gavoni for the first time there. Um, I don't remember who else. That's all I remember. Yeah. Well, I, I remember I ordered a deep dish pizza to the <laughs> hotel, and I and I and I didn't know what size to order because it was my first time ever having deep dish, and like we weren't because I was working so much, we weren't able to go out. Right. So I I ordered the deep dish. I called. This was like pre Postmates. I called up and had them deliver it to the hotel lobby, and I ordered a large. Oh, thinking, oh a large pizza. Well, a large pizza, not a big deal. And it's like this huge, fucking, massive. <laughs> Just pool of cheese and sauce. <laughs> I ate the whole thing. I think, but no way <laughs> you know. did. I, I might have. I might have over over like Again, a back in the period. day. I would have one hundred percent ate the whole thing too. I I think I might have eaten the whole thing. I'm not a hundred percent certain about that. I don't remember that detail, but I know I ate most of it for damn sure. I didn't know if maybe your like embarrassment or shame was like stopping you from confessing that you ate it all. Like maybe like you actually oh, do have... know that you ate it and you were just no, no, hesitating. No. <laughs> I, I don't I really I really don't remember if I ate the whole thing, but like I would assume I ate the whole thing. I know I ate a lot of it. And I assume yeah. that I ate it all. I, <laughs> I How many myself, calories was that? Do you oh, think? probably God. like four thousand calories. At least. At I think least. I, I think I remember I took I know I at least took it back to my hotel room. And I think I probably had the rest of the next day. But I'm not 100% certain about that either. I don't have a great memory, Kyle. Not like you, where your brain just fucking fires off these connections and makes all these magical things happen inside of it. I don't know how you do it. The connections, I can still kind of do a little bit, but I'm telling you, man, I think I've told you this before, the re the quick recall for like names and stuff, I'm suffering on that front. And I think I always compare it to like Ram. Like I know you like have more of a psychology background, but like I, I always think of my like quick access data of like names oh, yeah, for yeah. players used to be my like superpower. I can name, I could be like this person and this, and I'm, I was like, I'll sit there and just like snap my fingers and try to think of a recruit's name. And I'll be like, fuck, I can't think of that guy's name. The pizza thing. I used to like crush whole large pizzas by myself. Like Easy. all not the time in college. Not a, yeah. Not a, you can't do that anymore? I just choose not to. I mean, you just feel horrible <laughs> if you do. Like I, I ate like a big slice. 100% true. You choose not to because I can easily eat a whole pizza today. But right I, now. it's like, right yeah, now. no. Right now, I, I could. At this myself. moment, I just had I just had like <laughs> eggs and rotisserie chicken like an hour ago. I could have a whole pizza right now at this moment. Eggs and rotisserie yeah, chicken. Yeah, what? Yeah, I, it's one of my favorite like you know healthy you know morning breakfast slash early lunches is egg whites. You remove all the yolk, or like okay. maybe have half a yolk just to keep a little bit of that flavor in there, and mix it with rotisserie chicken. So chicken and eggs. It's weird. <laughs> it's I hope we're keeping this. That's a weird meal, man. Yeah, eggs and chicken. You should try it sometime. Egg Dude, whites. Dude, that is a bizarre a meal. It's S good. Straight it's protein. <laughs> Are you trying to evolve well, like in one meal? Is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> well, no, but I've... Uh, <laughs> what's wrong with an omelet with some tasty rotisserie chicken? Sometimes, I guess, like, like if we have like some leftover broccoli, I'd throw that in there. 
but we don't. Okay, I guess I'm thinking of them as like separate entities, like cooked separately and then put together. No, but like, oh yeah, I'm like a scramble maniac. Like, I'll I'll put all kinds of stuff in a scramble. Yeah. But that's that's I'm viewing this a little different. Try try it out next time you make some scrambled eggs. Throw in some like pulled rotisserie chicken. Okay, I mean, I could give, see it, that. give it a, give that's, it a try, Kyle. Give it a. That's try. not that weird. Yeah, I um. I actually like sometimes when I'm really hungry, I'll have a light dinner on Thursday and then I'll go play pickup from like 730 to 930. And then on the way home, I'll cancel out what I just did and stop and have pizza. I, I do this like every week. <laughs> every time I go to the gym, I get so hungry after it's like, all right, I got I got to pick out. I, I did good. And yeah, there it all goes there. <laughs> yeah, I ate one slice and then I was like, man, I'm so hungry. I was like, How can you only have one slice of pizza? They're huge, though. I mean, it's like it's like a. Like a Costco slice of pizza for, for one slice of pizza, like the it's big, massive, the big boy slices, like the you know the huge, like New York style, New York yeah, style. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but I ate one, and the guy came by. He was like another, and I think if he had phrased it any other way, if he had said like doing okay over here or all done or something, I might have been like yes. But the fact that he asked another, I was like, <laughs> it like, was it was like uh, Inception. Like he planted the idea in my mind, and I was like. Yeah, I will have another. And I got halfway through it, and I was just like, "What have I done?" I was like, "Ready to just roll out of there." You have any Papaginos near you? No, I don't yeah. even know. Papaginos is like a Northeast pizza chain, and the pizza is not great. I think it's better than Domino's, at least pre-Domino's changing their pizza. I guess it's better now. Papaginos, I've always liked it. Um, I used to love ordering like a whole large Papaginos pizza, and. I- <laughs> <laughs> just i devour it like when you like were you living with your parents at the time oh, yeah, or yeah 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 i was like and you all would order a, a, a pizza knowing this is kevin's pizza well there was one place we'd order pizza from that i wasn't the biggest fan of and sometimes i'd order from papa Gino's <laughs> when they'd order from maria's <laughs> oh, wait you all would put in separate orders on the same night very, very rare that that oh would ever God. happen. Very rare that would happen. But there, like, it, like as we discuss it, these memories pop into my head. Where it was like a couple of times I do that with Maria's. I don't want Maria's. I'll get Papaginos. That's hilarious. I'm picky like that. I know, like when I was a teenager, I was so protective of my portion, like because you just you're so like your body is basically like a jet engine at that time of your life. And I was like practicing every day, so I was burning a lot of calories. But I remember we ordered this big pizza. And my sister, like, surprise, came home from college. She was like, hey, surprise, I'm here. And we had just gotten our food. And she was like, oh, you guys going to have dinner? And I remember we got in an argument because I was like, no, you can't just show up and cut into my portion of the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> she probably remembers that. I was just like, I think that's I totally just became fair. A, that's valid. Yeah. yeah. I was like, you can't just drop in here and, like, take my part of the pizza. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is this? Unannounced. Order your own food. If that happened today, I'd be like, I'd be like, thank you for saving me from myself. That's what yeah. I always, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it it takes discipline to eat healthy. I'm I'm envious of those people with fast metabolisms that eat like pigs and they're skinny. Like like, who gifted you this? I don't know. I feel like, like, I don't like know. you don't work out. You don't work out ever. And, like you have these horrible habits, eating habits, workout habits. You're so unhealthy. You don't even go to the doctor. <laughs> you're not, now that I'm bad about, it. I'm not good about going to the doctor. But yeah, I, you got to uh, go to the doctor, and you got to do your six month at the dentist too, Kyle. 
I'm good. I've been going to the dentist with the Invisalign. I've had to go. They've kind of been on. Uh, yeah, I've been more on top of that. But the, you got to get uh, your cleanings. We got good insurance at Spotify. Got to get. We your do. Yeah. The the fear I've never had a cavity. Never had a cavity. That's oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. I think when you have kind of crooked teeth, it like just lends itself to that. So that's one yeah. one motivation for me. But I finally got my wisdom tooth teeth out like last year. Thank God. Um, but now I'm getting better about it. It's just. Uh, you got you got to go consistently because the more time builds up, the more kind of shame you have of like getting that like reprimand from them. You know, you go in there and you just hear the bad news and dread it and dread it. And I don't know. Are you flossing? Consist- it's like no, that's why there's a pool of blood. <laughs> yeah, that's why, my, that's why my gums swelled up like a balloon when you touched them just now. <laughs> oh boy. You just got to deal with the shame and do it. It's true. Deal with the shame. The Kevin O'Connor story. <laughs> just, just like Amen and Osar Thompson need to improve their jumpers. Very smooth. The shame of a, of a, a jumper that could keep you out of the lottery. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> not our transition. I'm, I'm vetoing that one. 